0: Gaming NBS episode 181, coming to you Wednesday, March 7th, 2018. Welcome to Gaming NBS, a tabletop RPG podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sean.
1: And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show. Welcome back. Glad to have you all on board, <sighs> Sean. It is like by the time the sucker drops, that is Gary Con Eve Wednesday. Holy it's GM's
0: shit. day today. I know. So, I had heard or read. I think a lot of people think it's the day that Gary died.
1: It's Gary not though, gets, isn't, it? isn't it? It's his not, not. No,
0: no? I, it is the day he died. But that I don't believe that's the reason why it's GM's day. I think it was coincidental know, that he died on GM's Day. <laughs> okay. But it's GM's Day, so happy GM's Day. Uh, as of this recording and when it drops, it would have been three days prior.
1: <laughs> so happy late GM's Day to everybody. So, <laughs> so
0: happy, happy late show. GM's Day, 2018 <clears throat> to everybody.
1: <laughs> yeah. But we're going to Gary Khan, You're still going, right? I am going to Gary Khan. Awesome! Very good! Very good! Well, um, well, um, um. get your room set. You're all good. You got the boys. Yeah, got to yeah.
0: Space. I'm gonna stay in my car. Figure your car's a good spot. It's Plenty. good. I mean, yeah. There's a parking spot
1: somewhere there. Yeah, that's true. That's true. They didn't uh didn't hardly they didn't rouse you out last year for doing this. That so was good.
0: My dad's letting me drive his car. I sound like I'm 16.
1: <laughs> my dad says <laughs> I can go to the car and I can borrow the car and everything. Don't you have your
0: own car? What do you I- What are you taking your dad's car for? His gets better mass gas mileage than Jeep. Ah, okay,
1: I see. Yeah. So you're gonna be there Wednesday night, like me, or no? No.
0: I never get there that early.
1: Slack ass. Yeah. Well, I Corey and Dave, <clears throat> I'm room with the wind with the wind brothers. So Corey and Dave get down there then. So hey, what the hell? Why not? Right. Well, you'll definitely so. be winning. Oh yeah! Hell yeah! Huh? so let's see here other random well not random other cool con stuff game con 2018 has a guest list how many is that sean how many they've got coming this year oh
0: uh 37 i think is the number so far 30
1: freaking seven i
0: think so nine rows of four that's 36 plus one
1: i think that's Uh, good math it's pretty good It's uh yeah
0: there's quite a few
1: yeah, it's... Monty,
0: <laughs> Sh-
1: Shana. Oh, Matt Forbeck, Crawford, Curtis, Jeff D., Finch, Scott Gray, Greenwood, of course, Cask, Lindsey, oh my God, Sean Merwin, Perkins, of course. Good God. Mark Miller's coming back. Oh my God. Patrick Ruffus will be there. Schwab. Good Lord. Good Lord, indeed. Rob Whelan, front of the show. He'll be there. Awesome, awesome. Well, God damn... Yeah. So very sweet.
0: Lots and lots. Elisa <laughs> Teague.
1: Yeah. So we got a list. Uh, the Gamehole Holcon has the list, of course, on their website. But we have a link in show notes to said list. So GameholeCon.com, you can find it there. Amy Vorpal? Yeah. Vorpal? Is it Vorpal? Well, in, in gaming circles, you got to say Vorpal.
0: Well, I was going to say, <laughs> do, does she get called Amy Vorpal Weapon?
1: that's possible. Well, I'll tell you what, man, in other, in speaking of other gaming goodness and so on, I ran some D&D my kids at their school in the middle school have a uh, a game club which is board games, card games and that type of stuff. It does no electronic games of any kind. Well, the mothers wanted to have something where the kids would get together and do this. So, of course, when they had the first one, I wasn't able to make it cuz work, but my kids wanted to run D&D. So, a lot I ran and AJ ran, and they had a lot of fun. And they like, Dad, can you come in and run for us this next time? I said, sure. You guys both want to play? And AJ's like, well, I want to play. And Alana said, well, maybe the next time. But I really want to run the second part of my campaign for my friends. So she had a little table next to me where she ran. And uh, AJ and I figured we'd have him and two, <clears throat> maybe three of his buddies. I made enough character sheets so I had five PCs. We figured, eh, <coughs> excuse me, maybe I'll get some kids. I got freaking mob, dude. I had kids where I'm standing on the end of my table, running. I had kids like right next to me on the right, right on my left, standing next to my miniature stack, just asking me random questions, reading die rolls over the top. What's that mean? What's that do? What's this? What's that? <laughs> it was like? And all the kids. I had five players. And around all the five kids at one point, each one of them had, like, one to two lookers on, giving them advice and trying to figure out what to do to kill the monsters and make it through the dungeon. It was it was insane. Everybody had so much fun. It, <laughs> it was crazy. Crazy. One kid, he had to leave. He had karate practice. Uh, his mom comes up and goes, hey, time to go. He's like, yeah, just a minute. I want to wait for this fight. He's not even playing. The kid is not playing. He just... Looking with wrapped, oh, my God, I was waiting for the fight. The fight ends. His mom's like, come on, it's time to go. No. No, I, just, I want to see what happens when they open this next door. <laughs> it's just He had to bodily drag him away from the table. It was really, really fun. It was so much fun. I got to go back. They do it once a month, so I'll be back next month. We'll do it again. Crazy kids. It was a blast. I posted pictures on my Twitter account and, of course, on our G+. I even put it on the Facebook group for Gaming and BS, too. It was a lot of fun. If you get a chance to run for kids in this in an environment like that, it is totally worth it and believe it or not, Sean, I didn't know uh, f- bombs didn't say sh- didn't even say shit hell damn nothing. that was nice it was right good. was holding back. It was clean it was clean, I tell you <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: once we get to that once we get to the high school level, then I'll just then I'll cut loose on them.: That's right. get down to business but it was fun. The only character i beat the ever living crap out of was AJ my son. Cause uh, I told him ahead of time. Cause
0: he's gotta toughen up. <laughs> he Little oh, kid, I expect <laughs> something better of him.
1: Exactly. What's wrong with you? He told me he's like, I want to play the dwarf cleric. I said, okay, you know what that means. He goes, you want to teach the other kids how to play, even though they don't have a healer. I know. <laughs> so I purposely knocked him down once, so the other kid just to so the other kids would have something to do. And then, luck of the draw would, was then it was down to. Like, the wizard, the high elf mage, was the only one left standing. He was the newest player. He'd never played before. And uh, and he, he he did really well. Everybody was super creative, and uh, it was a lot of fun. Tons and tons of fun. Anyway, that was cool. Sweet. Shall we random encounter it up, Sean? Yeah, random encounter. Let's do it.
0: All right. Random encounter. Uh, let's see. Feedback on episode 180, Adversarial Players on Google+. Plus. Peter Scannis comments, I think players trying to win in RPing is a complex issue. Obviously, our hobby isn't about winning and is most enjoyable when the aim is for everyone. Aim for everyone is having fun, but often it gets cloudy and when thinking about winning. Um, often the PCs will be placed in life-or-death situations. In the huge majority of these, the characters wanna win. They want to survive. This need to survive or win, the fight slash skill test, slash conflict. A player, on the other hand, may be okay with their character losing one of these tests of it is more fun. I think a lot of people do confuse these two different motivations.
1: So yeah. Yeah, I think it's I think it's true. There's a um if I go back to my story of when I was running for the kids, they wanted to win i e survive, get through the dungeon, <clears throat> excuse me, so for all five of the characters that come out alive they they felt like they had won right, but I think the they didn't take the sense of winning to be I beat the other players, they took it that we met the challenges and came out on top of the at the tail end of it. That was more than enough win for them. they weren't there to. To destroy me or break break everybody else's hearts or something along those lines, they weren't uh, they weren't going they weren't going for it like that. So I I think there is there's levels of win, perhaps you know. And I think that maybe where Peter's getting you know, it gets cloudy when we're thinking of winning. You know, how do you define winning and so on in in an RPG session?
0: All I want to do is win, win, win.
1: (laughs) All right. Next up, <coughs> let's see here, Matt, oh good lord, alright, you, you, you do the last name on this one, you're better at this than I am. Cyberlich. Cyberlich, thank you. Matt Cyberlich on adversarial players. The following, I think, demonstrates adversarial behavior in a player. I'm sure there are many other ways that adversarial behavior can be defined, but I think that obstructionism qualifies. Here's what I experienced. <clears throat> Excuse me. The tone was set early when the very first die rolled in the campaign was to see if his wizard successfully pickpocketed my character. It was also the first die roll in my RPG life as a player. I'd only DM'd a few sessions of the 5e starter set with my family up to that point. So even though it was off-putting, I rolled with it and chalked it up to an irrational response by myself. Since the player had previously experienced the gaming, I took it as how the game was played, or at least can be played. Little things like this continued as the adventure moved forward. Fast forward six months, and the adventure was kind of stalling. <clears throat> so, to keep, so to keep my involvement, I had my character begin to do things at night without the party, such as gathering flora for poison creation, seeking animal friends, and pursuing a vendetta with a merchant in the town of Barovia. Oh my god, he's in Ravenloft. Um, <laughs> before the daily long rest, the party would, would be done declaring actions, and I would declare that my character was moving off to do his solo work. At that point, the player would want to discuss who was on watch, where I was going, and so on. Uh, I still believe that this was a character role play instead of being obstructive playing, so I decided to have my character confront his in-game. I set up a scenario, <clears throat> made sure that that he knew that this was a character thing and not a player thing by stating it was plainly before the encounter, then proceeded with the confrontation. Things, things went south quickly. I soon realized that even though I had been very clear about the actions being in-character, the other person took them as player versus player. I'm taking this as a learning experience and now know a little better what to expect as normal gaming behavior thanks in large part to listening to this podcast and others. I don't blame the other individual, as I think he was confused as well, but that doesn't change the way he played his character as being obstructionist and difficult to game with. Hmm. Interesting. I think obstruction... (coughs) Excuse me, obstructionist is an interesting way. It's kind of that whole concept of if not winning controlling that alpha I'm in control here and, or obstructing other people from doing things as a way of controlling, right? Just kind of getting in the way and not letting them do what they want to do. Or even if the thing that the other player is doing is not harmful, but getting in the way and stopping them or, or causing it to be obnoxious in some way, shape or form. That makes sense. Sean, you with me on that one or what? Mm, You're looking a little tired there, man.
0: Yeah. Hmm.
1: I don't know, man. Do you get that, though? The, the obstructionist type player, have you had that? Where they're just always trying to stop, or why are you doing that? Or they see you having fun and want to come squish it?
0: Yeah. I guess. I guess it depends on who's defining the fun. It depends I mean, on who's defining well, the Well, I mean, if you're like, okay, so it's a matter of perspective. Okay, so are you, I get that. Are you talking about squashing somebody's fun, but their their idea of fun is not cohesive to the group? Right? So okay. Brett, Brett's doing his thing. I'm having fun, doo dee doo doo
1: whatever that is. And Which, it's not... Uh, as I want to do.
0: As you want to do. But it's not... Maybe uh, Maybe Brett's like, hey, I always want to kill undead, so I'm just going to keep... I'm going to go look for undead. That's what I'm going to do, because that's my thing. That's what I do. It says on my character sheet. Oh, I go, I go kill undead. I'm gonna go find. I'm gonna go to the cemetery. Like the party's like, what? WTF, dude? We're gonna go this way.
1: Goblins, this way. What, dude? Guy, this
0: way, goblins. They raided the town. You know, hey, the the constable wants us to go and track them down and and get rid of them so they don't attack the town again. You know, hey, this way. No, no, I'm gonna go check out undead. That's what I do. So then it's like squash, right? If you squash Brett's fun.
1: Then Brett's mad. Well, I just that's what my character does. So is thing. that
0: squash and Brett's fun?
1: I don't could know, be. man. It could, could, be. Be. could be. could be. Hmm.
0: Brett could be like, dude, ah, oh, th-, then goes with the goblins. And then it's like, ah, oh, well, if- this isn't very fun because this isn't what my character would be doing. I'm, I'm supposed to go kill undead, man.
1: Brett made the wrong fucking character. That's Brett's problem. That's true. That's true. <laughs> or hey, there's undead this way. There. Or hey, how about we'll come back after the undead once we fix the goddamn goblin problem.
0: That's right. There Damn, you go. There's ways right. around
1: this. Yeah, that's true. Interesting, but I do I have run into that myself, where you've got people who are just obstructionists. Somebody's doing something, be it you know, B plot, C plot, working something. You know, hey, getting pissed off at a at a merchant or something. Working that angle it really has nothing to do with your character per se. Why not let that person enjoy that thing? So, huh? interesting. Like it, so with Matt's, Matt's
0: um, example, now I wasn't there, but and it could have been a role-playing thing, but sometimes in our gaming that becomes obscured becomes fuzzy, gray line, where, you, like, Brett's like, hey, that's that's what I, I'm just role-playing my guy, I'm just role-playing my guy. We could talk about it in character. Okay. But Sean, player's like, Brett, dick quit dicking around.
1: Oh, yeah, 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 I see what you're saying. Quit
0: dicking around, man. And you're like, well, just
1: just come up to me and talk to me in character. And Sean's like, look, I'm telling you, Brett, I'm tired of your shit. <laughs> Let's go fight some fucking goblins. Well, okay. Or Brett could go,
0: okay. Uh we'll work it out. Okay. And then that then it I guess it could go in a positive direction, whatever however you frame it. Or it could be yeah. um Yeah. I think that's where some of the problems come in, is where some people don't know how to handle it in game. The GM may not step in. And then you get something like, you know, with Matt, With Matt's situation, it sounded like it went south. Like there was a – he wanted to do it in-game, but the other player didn't see it that way. <clears throat> it was probably like, stop dicking around and picking up flowers. Let's in, go and you know, kill
1: Strad. An interesting thing you say is in-game, and I think some people, depending how they like to play, don't like to do things in- – we've talked about this before, right? Some people are like – you know, I do this, or Thagram the Mighty does this. They speak in third person or first person or whatever. And some people are not comfortable. They will say things like, hey, I will, you know, I want to sweet talk the guard, you know, try to get him to talk about his family, show him I'm one of his friends, what what do I roll? And other people will give you a monologue of what specifically they're saying. And then ask for the roll, hoping for a bonus or whatever. So it's conceivable that, you know... What could be... And Matt, obviously, we're not, not dissing you, dude. We were not there, so we don't know the pieces kind of taking this and running with it. So that somebody else could see something and don't and does not understand or like it when people do things in-character in-game. They may be like, hey, you know, that's not how I like to play, and this is what I do. So, so it could just be raw expectations. Right.
0: Well, yes. And that's... Yes. And part of that is... Somebody not realizing like you you may like Brett may be like, Hey, that's just my guy. I mean, I didn't think it was a big deal. Sorry. I didn't know until Sean's perturbed. Yeah. And you know, Brett's like, What's his problem? And he says, Well, I don't know, I'm gonna leave. I'm I'm done for the night. I'm going home. <laughs> what the hell? So he doesn't talk to Brett directly about like the issue just kind of goes up and throws up his hands all passive aggressive like and says, "Hey, I'm taking my rule book and I'm going home." And Brett's like, "What? what? Hey, man. Okay, no problem, dude. I'll, whatever. I'll change. I don't Is that the problem? Cuz I'm, you know, doing this. I'm not I'm going to k- kick on dead's ass."
1: Hmm. I don't know. Interesting.
0: Yeah. All right. are right. I don't think I think sometimes it's that weird Dude, I don't know, man. I've played with, like, I've had one guy out of my group that always tends to, not always, not, and I shouldn't say every group, but I know I've played with one person. Hell, that's even been me sometimes. It's good that you can admit
1: it. That's good you can admit it.
0: Well, you know, no one's half the battle. Exactly. We Being self
1: aware. <laughs> I, myself, could be an obstructionist prick, Sean. Didn't mean That's to right. do it, but I did it anyway. Sorry but about see, that.
0: see, now that I know about it, I, I, can, addre- I can address it.
1: I can either address it or lean into it, because it's what I'm going <laughs> to One of the two. Yeah. Well, cool. All right. Yeah. Well, thanks, guys, for writing in. That's cool. That's it's right. Inter- it's always interesting to get other people's perspectives, because as much as I give Sean shit about is It Depends answer... It is very obvious to me. <coughs> damn, excuse me. When I see these this type of feedback, where everybody has obviously their own experiences, and their own way, their own way things happen at the table, right? Um, and the game at your table, right? I'm not there, so I can't quote unquote fix it for you. The best thing that Sean or I could do is say. Hmm, it sounds like X, maybe you could try Y and Z. Maybe one of these things might help. Hey, have a couple more conversations or maybe try this other tactic or something. But it's really, it is very interesting. The more I, the more we've done the podcast and listen to other play, players and DMs and people write into us, call in and bump into them at conventions and stuff. It's really interesting to, to see all the other perspectives because it is really true, even though I give Sean shit for it. It depends. And a lot of times it depends because you don't, I don't know what's at the table. I've no idea of all the history behind all the players that are there or all the what's happening or how many <clears throat> how many um, sessions everyone's gamed and all the different variables that play into to any gaming session. So it's uh it's interesting to see all this stuff. Thank you. Yeah. Shall we move so, on? Oh yeah, sorry. Yeah. No, right? no, no. All right, let's yeah. go. Let's go. All right, go. right. right, right, right. <laughs> all right. Brad. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready, man. What are we talking about, dude? Well, I was... Let's see. Something had triggered a memory of mine. I was reading... um, X-Card. X-Card? What? What? I was reading? You said triggered. Triggered? Oh sorry. No, no, no. Something triggered a memory of mine. I went back and I found it. Matt Coble had, had a video, I've got a link in the show notes, that he had around fiction versus blah, blah, blah. I can't remember what the hell the title of the video was. But I found it. Put a link in the show notes. There's a piece in there he talked about <clears throat> how he sets up a world, a I campaign. Think it was fiction, fantasy versus fantasy fiction. Fantasy versus fiction. Thank you very much. Um, so basically, you know, when we set up a campaign, how do we want to deal with the PC's actions? I think the general consensus is, you know, often the PC's are the most important people in the game. Um, but does the world work around the PC's and their backstories? Or do the PC's impose themselves into a living, breathing thing? Oh. So, that's what I wanted to talk about today, because I was thinking about this, and it felt like one of those things that, that probably isn't a one or the other, oh, it has to be all this, or it has to be all that, but it's kind of an approach. As a game master, when you're laying something out, or even as a player, what do you prefer, or how do you tend to operate? And that may well... <coughs> damn it. That may well kind of inform or help enforce certain types of, of gameplay. So, anyway... So, Sean, I'm looking here, you know, do the players count on the fact that whenever they go into the world that it reflects them? Is the campaign based all around their backstories? You know, the story, um, making sure the PC's wants and needs and backgrounds are met and the PC's actions are all that move everything forward, right? When you, or, are the PC's there to make their mark on the world? You know, backstory plays when opportunity presents itself. You know, hey, my parents were killed by orcs, and hey, guess what? Opportunity presented itself, so Sean threw in something about the orcs that killed my mom and dad, and the world moves on regardless of what we do. And I think oftentimes we'll say, "Yeah, the world is a living, breathing thing, and it continues to move." But and this is where maybe things get mushed together a little bit. But um, Sean, do you have after my little blurb there? Does one of those approaches or a, a methodology there strike it as something that you like to do or that you prefer? Oh, one versus the other? Yeah. I mean, do you do you lean one way or do you do you, you think it's all hogwash and it's nothing? <laughs> you know, I think
0: it it has to do with the game. I think it has to do with the game you're running. So if, if you're running a pre-published game – or, or it starts out not like world evolving world revolving around mm. the player game.
1: What how, how okay, give me I think you should
0: start out if you start out in a level based system and you the world is small. I don't know, man. I'm getting tired of like the 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 players being the champions of all at first level. Okay, no, all right. All right. So, so so, so they're not, maybe they're a little special, maybe in some games. Like, hey, they're, you know, you're player characters and you're a little bit special than anybody else in the world, which, okay, that's maybe kind of fine. Or maybe it's defined now, but
1: it'll be more defined later. So your preference would be for that group of people to make their mark on the world, not that the world has been waiting for them. Oh, thank God they're here. They're clearly the heroes type of thing. If they become heroes, it's because they forged their their hero, their heroic actions on their own. That wasn't the world wasn't yeah. laid out for them to be heroes. Is that what you're saying? Um, uh,
0: I I think that's hard to put down right away. I think that may be the grandiose scheme of things where they want to be the saviors of the world.
1: Uh, I think. Hmm. I, <sighs> so let's, let's take it, let's take it back a step here. So okay. if I, well, I make a world. Yeah. And I say, Hey, you know what we're going to do? Um, what are all your characters about? And I take all these notes about what your characters are and, yeah. and what, all the backstory and all that stuff and say, okay. And I build my campaign that we're going to, the story we're all going to tell together. We do this great either emergence or however how we're going to do it, but it's all based on all of the source for the key components of the story come out of the characters versus the source is what's going on in the world and how the characters deal with it. So I think, yes, I get what you're saying.
0: And I think that it depends on your, well, no, that's fine. That's cool, dude. I think it depends on how you position things as a
1: game master. Well I'm asking what you if you have a preference, you know. I um, I, I get what you're saying there, yeah. you know, that totally makes sense. Yeah, you know, how you position it makes sense.
0: Because sometimes I think that you could have something in mind, you map out your campaign and you're kinda got your thing, and the players wander off, right? They don't somewhere they take a left turn when mm-hmm. they should have went right. And as a game master, uh, I have a way of being able to put things back on track. Hey, the ticket said next stop is the Orient Express. I guess that's where I'm going. (laughs) They went that way. God damn it. All right. Well, just have to put that over there then. (laughs) Cue sound of track switcher. (laughs) That's right. But so I think think one frame of mind tends to want to predict that the players are going to be involved in the grand scheme of things and maybe they are mm-hmm. as part of kind of the the deal right here's kind of the underlying plot maybe it's really a big deal right the portal to hell is going to open and it's going to open because that's that in the dm's eyes that's that's the deal like eventually okay. the big big huge bad evil god is going to be unleashed upon the world and the players can either do it get involved and prevent it for the good of all man human womankind whatever in the world which is great but i think at that point you're kind of you're kind of setting the time you're you're cementing it a bit bit does that make sense versus Throwing shit out in front of the players, seeing what they do, and then maybe adapting to the players. I think this goes back to, like, West March's kind of shit that we were talking, you know, what, 20 episodes ago or whatever it was. No, it totally does. Where where I am the GM, uh, this is my game, my story plot, I'm going to give them things, but eventually it's going to really lead to the end of this module, where it's going to be the BBEG, or whatever that is, versus... I'm going to put stuff in front of the players. I have no idea where they're going to take it, and I'm going to adapt certain things. And maybe it still gets to the end point of the BBEG, Mm -hmm. but it's going to be based off the players driving that and not because I'm presenting that and they're having to adapt mine. So I think it's really just a perspective. What perspective are you taking as a game master? Do you want the players to drive the shit, or do you want to just present stuff? Do you want them to show up every week and go, okay, GM, you're... This is, what do you have for us this, this week?
1: Got it. I think one of the things that I've started doing and not on purpose, but what I would do is, <clears throat> so I first get characters, players make characters. We say, okay, what are you going to do? We're going to do X. They start running around. They got backstory. They're working on this, working on that. I throw something crazy. and they get attacked in and in. They've got to deal with something in the city. They, um, they start moving in different directions. Through the actions they take, which is what I did in my Streets of Avalon game, um, through the actions they take, I then said, okay, here's what's going on. I created a plot based on lots of different components. Here's the stuff that's going on. Let's see what happens. Now, the characters decided to ignore multiple plot points, focus on certain ones I thought were like, all right, y'all care about that. Go ahead. They ignored some and focused on others. What I did, though, is just because they ignored some of them didn't mean that those didn't progress.
0: I gotcha. So, okay.
1: So in that case, the way I like to the way I like to present things is that the world moves on regardless of what the PCs do, which gives me this opportunity for the player characters to forge themselves into heroes or into kings or robber barons or whatever fuck that they're they're looking <laughs> to to forge themselves <clears throat> out of X into Y or whatever. So they've got a plot, they can play with it, and part of this may come from my love of horror games, like you know, even Vampire the Masquerade and Call of Cthulhu, because classic old school Cthulhu approach would be, look, here's the thing, you bite on the wrong clue, you head in the wrong direction, the world goes pear-shaped, Cthulhu rises, everyone dies. Aw, too bad, the world does not care. It's this nihilistic, uncaring universe, and everything goes to shit. You don't have to go that crazy with it. But there were a number of things in that campaign, pretty much every campaign I've run. Shit just keeps happening. When I ran the um, Trailer Cthulhu for you and Kevin and the guys, stuff happened. Even though you missed certain plot hooks, it didn't matter. Shit kept going. The bad thing got worse. Things kept moving along. You guys progressed and, and figured certain things out, but shit was still happening. Whether you caught up to it, missed it, or whatever... The world continued on. And I think <clears throat> I don't like personally if I were to sit down and say, I'm going to craft everything around the player characters and this might be a problem I have with certain styles of gameplay and I can't can't put my finger on it and say, Oh, it's this game system. I wouldn't I, I don't think I could say that. But there's certain styles of gameplay I've I've heard from people with um this concept of um it's everything about my the player character, most important thing. <clears throat> I get it because that's the focus of our story. The focus of the story is what's happening to the player characters. That's the story we tell out loud every day at the table or every night we get together at the table. But I don't... The whole world isn't necessarily operating off of everything they, they do until such time as they have forged themselves into heroes or close enough to be heroes. It's almost that um conspiramid approach that Ken Hyde has in *Knight's um, Black Agents*, just that idea of once you become annoying enough and are bothering enough, pretty soon the head of the mafia's like, "Look, <laughs> that Sean guy, Sean, Kevin, you know, uh, you know, Eileen's A- characters. Good God, they're just they're in our face all the time. We've had it. We let's we got to deal with this. Somebody go take care of them, right?" Even Sherlock Holmes was considered a nothing to Moriarty for for quite some time until Moriarty finally had enough because he kept bothering him, and said to squash him. A similar type of thing, where as the characters forge themselves into something world-shaking or world, uh, where they can twist everything else. The the machinations of the greater powers have to take these guys into account. They then become a power. Um, otherwise, the world does whatever the world does. You know, and. I think that's how I like to do it. I don't like the idea, at least for me anyway, of saying, (sighs) right from the get-go, and I think, Sean, this might tie directly into what you were saying at the beginning. I'm just using many more words to say it. Instead of saying right from the get-go, hey, the first level characters, everything they do is the most interesting thing, that every other power in the world is waiting for them to do X, and then they immediately react to X and go on and go on. So I think I am similarly minded, in that I would rather have the PCs, even in a non-level based system, even in a uh, you know a gumshoe system where you start off pretty badass in Night's Black Agents, you still the main vampire in that game that you're running doesn't necessarily care about you. You're still just a thing. You need to make your mark on the world in order for the world to pay attention to you. Is that what you're thinking too, or did I just talk in a big ass circle like I usually do?
0: No, that's That I would be, you're on the mark. And I think it's also, I mean, you could still have those interesting components eventually come to fruition because the world keeps moving. Mm -hmm. And then, which isn't a bad thing. I think that's a good way to go about it because you can have that in the back of your head. It's evolving and moving like fronts in Dungeon World, right? You have these fronts that are occurring. And, you know, if the players don't confront it, they're still going to run into issues with it the bigger that it becomes. And you, I would think that because it's a D&D game or it's a whatever insert RPG name game here, that they are going to want to be involved with that rather than, hey, man, I'm going back to the tavern and hang out. Well, what are you going to do? Nothing. I'm getting drunk. I'm gonna hang out, man. That's that's what my character. Hey, so it says in my character sheet. <laughs> exactly. I like to hang out at taverns.
1: <clears throat> those characters, those players who do who did that to me ages back, are the reason I decided the world's gonna keep moving even if you sit on your ass. Yeah. Well, and rightfully it should. Right. I, I mean,
0: that's kind of the 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 I don't want to say tropey thing, but it it's kind of the deal.
1: I mean, in RPGs. That's also the time when when somebody decides to do that is when backgrounds come and slap that person upside the head. That person who took 15 sure. points of flaws into always in trouble, you know, wanted by the law, bounty hunter wants my ass. That's when that shit comes to back home to roost. Yeah. And whenever the PCs do, when they take a sidetrack where they don't seem to be caring enough to Follow my well laid tracks. <laughs> if I'm Sean, like, hey, get on that goddamn, get
0: that's on the right. train,
1: man. Um, if if they don't want to do that, or they they go off a different direction, or they're <clears throat> they're stumped or whatever, those background components. And this is where I think I've learned over the years to get people who I, I love it when they have background information for their characters and so forth. But I try to tell people now is don't go crazy about it. And if that's what you need to run your character, that's fine, but. I don't expect me to read a twenty page you know novella around what your character is and all these different bits and components of it. Give me the the high points of what you're really what you're really concerned about you know ex lovers or my <clears throat> my father's looking for me or something like that and then at the given time, as the world continues to move, I can throw that in as necessary basically as almost as filler if you will sometimes there'll be a background that is so really fitting for the A-plot, that boom, it's in there. But otherwise, because the world is moving, as the characters begin to make their mark in the world and become a power, or at least a power that the larger powers must then cope with, that's also when some of those backgrounds that the player characters have come in to get them. Because I would expect as I start to march my way up there, you know, Kevin, Ange, Chris, Phil, and I are cruising up on whatever the bad guy is in your game, Sean. At that point, the bad guy has done enough research on us in this nice black agents game to say, "Yeah, Brett's character has a girlfriend. I think I can take advantage of that." Right? <clears throat> then the bad guys start using those things either against you, with you, and so forth. Then all that, all all those things play, but they become they come into play because the world is reacting. I guess is where I'm coming from. Yeah. Absolutely. I have, I guess the, the thing that caught me the most is I have, I've heard this described online and sometimes in front of me is, I want to I play a game where we tell the story about how my character does this incredibly cool thing. We tell the story about how we do X. And I, I think that is really foreign to my gaming brain.
0: So, for an example,
1: so if we were to say, "Hey, we're going to tell a story about this time our <clears throat> group of cutthroats broke in and stole the gem." Okay, let's tell that story.
0: As an adventure, or is it? Yeah, I mean, as, as is it, as is it part of the art <clears throat> is it part of your character's background that you're sharing as just a flavor? I've had both.
1: Mm-hmm. I've se- I've had and seen both. Okay, uh, but which one which one are you talking about? Both of them drive me weird, drive me like crazy weird. I don't get it. It feels odd to me for the player, I guess because I don't build everything. The the world's going to keep happening. I don't sit down and say, "Tell me exactly what we're going to tell the story about today, guys." And then have everybody tell me that, and then we then I tell the thing that they just told me they want to do. Because the way I approach it as I approach it, that your characters are going to make their mark upon an environment. Let's see how that happens. As opposed uh-huh. to, <clears throat> this is a story about this thing that we're going to do. You know what I mean? That feels more one shotty to me. Like, hey, let's do this. I'm like, okay, that, that's not a campaign feeling for me. That's more of a one-shot event thing. Somebody's going to get really mad at me for saying <laughs> for saying this, no doubt. Well, I mean, I guess I, guess I can see where you're coming from. And
0: certainly the the briefness of it, I don't know if that's really the, the exact word to use, but the, the focus of it is it seems very brief. It's a brief moment in time. Yes. Right? And yeah. So I guess, are you talking about, going back to my original question, are you talking about the game being that, like, hey, we're going to go and do this. And then it's just like we're gonna, like, going back to your um, heist example. Okay. So are you saying that we're around a campfire and I want to tell the guys about the time we did that heist? Or is it a, hey, we're going to do a heist and telling you, and you're like, huh?
1: Yeah, the second one. This the latter. Okay, I don't get it. And so are I, I, you, I've heard what, I've heard people talk about it and like, oh no, this is really cool. And I'm like, I, uh, doesn't do anything for me. So are you not getting it because
0: the characters are saying there's a bank in town and we want to knock over the bank, or is it because and it seems very short sighted? No, it
1: be- it, it's <clears throat> there's a level of prescription. It's to me almost the the player introduced railroad of this is how this will happen oh <clears throat> I feel sometimes I have things and I don't think I think this is just I'm not taking it the right way but I think my aversion to certain things is, is that it feels very prescriptive As to this is how the world will go and this is how this campaign or this particular story will go because we are going to prescribe how this goes based on RPCs we have these things, which are all about how this is our background and all these things have to play, all the stuff has to be part of this and it's gonna happen and we're gonna tell this very particular story. And I know some people really groove on that and I don't I just can't get my brain around it. And I started thinking about that and then I saw this video and then I was thinking further and I'm like, you know, I think the the problem, if there is a problem, is that my preferred style of gaming Is that no matter who you are in one of Brett's worlds, the world isn't necessarily a Lovecraftian nihilistic, you know, I don't care about you, we're going to eat you anyway world. Sometimes they tend to be. But you still have to, you have to do something in order for the world to react to you. It's not that the world is there waiting for you to show up and do something. You know what I mean? Or maybe I'm being really dancing around a thing and I can't describe myself very well. That's possible, too.
0: So, are you... <laughs> so I think I know what you're getting at. Okay. I was thinking, so is it kind of like
1: Lady Blackbird? Like that game? God, you I haven't heard much... that in a while. Do you know much about that game? I do. I Well, it was. I've downloaded it. I've got it. I've read it.
0: So for those of you that aren't familiar with Lady Blackbird, it's... By, um, by Mister Harper. Blades in the Dark and, Harper. Blades in the Dark Harper, and apparently the the game itself is is pre set up. It's this is what you're going to be doing. How you do it is part of, is what the game is about. Right. So it's it's a it's run from an arranged marriage to Count Carlo. Uh, she hired a smuggler skyship. So Lady Blackbird is on the run from an arranged marriage to Count Carlo. And she hired a smuggler skyship, the Owl, to take her from her place on the Imperial World of uh, Elysium to the far reaches of the Remnants. So she could be with her once secret lover, the Pirate King, Uriah Flint. However, just before reaching the halfway point of Haven, the Owl was pursued and captured by the Imperial cruiser Hand of Sorrow under charges of flying a false flag. Even now, Lady Blackbird, her bodyguard, and the crew of the Owl are detained in the brig while the commander of the cruiser, Captain Hollis, runs the smuggler ship's registry over the wireless. It's only a matter of time before they discover the outstanding warrants and learn that the Owl is owned by none other than the infamous outcast, Cyrus Vance. How will Lady Blackbird and the others escape the Hand of Sorrow? What dangers lie in their path? So, is that what you're talking about? Like, here is the setting? Mm. Here is the situation? And the game and the story is going to come out of how you handle this particular thing.
1: No, I mean that—that's a one-shot game. That doesn't—that's not a yeah. campaign to me. No, it's not. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I've heard, I have talked to people who have—that's how they like all of their gaming to happen. And maybe it's certain people enjoy the one-shot setup like that. I just—I I like that from time to time, but it's not. That's not a campaign to me. It's not a longer-term investment piece. And uh, I guess if I extrapolate that back out to what I think was what I was also kind of virtually trying to talk about, was to me when I – no matter – how do I do this? Everything, I guess, again, in, in the world, everything's happening. And yeah. the players need to – engage with the world, the world uh, the world will engage with the players to a certain level via hooks, right? Hey, here's a thing. Hey, here's this person. Hey, there's a fight in a bar. Hey, someone accuses you of being an associate of Lady Blackbird. Hey, someone says this. Hey, this happens. <clears throat> the place is on fire. What do you do? Do you go over here? Do you go right? Do you go left? You know, your adventures get together. There's orcs over here. There's space orcs over there. There's goblins here. There's a dragon there. What do you want to do? By way of hooks, I'm giving people ways that they can then interact with the world. But in general, when the characters go out and defeat the dragon, if in the meantime the characters miss the fact that the dragon is actually a crime lord in the area and he or she is doing this, that, and the other thing, and that by destroying the dragon and looting it, they're going to cause some sort of a uh, crime-mafia war, if you will, in this fantasy area. If they missed all those clues and didn't pay attention to it, I don't care. That's still going to happen. If if what they do causes these things to occur, that's what happens. You know, it's... It's kind of... Um, you know what I'm saying? Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, man, you're creating the world. The world's moving. Yes. If the player characters elect to... Get into that. That's up to them. It's still going to happen. It's still potentially going to touch their lives. But I do
1: know some people drop that stuff. Oh, the characters stop caring about the mind flayers. Oh, well, that thing just goes away. Yeah. And you say that it just goes away to the players <clears throat> or in the
0: game itself? In
1: the game itself. Like, it just it's oh. not a thing. If you don't engage. So it would almost be, in a way, like a West Just I'll just pick on what? that.
0: Well, hey, I will I will argue against that, Brett. What if somebody else is taking care of the Mind Flayers?
1: Possibly, but the Game Master would then have to make account for that in some way. The players would never know. Sure. Oh, that's true. But I'm just saying as part of the thing,
0: you may say, well, here's the Mind Flayers. They're going to plot to take over the world. And if the players, if you drop a bunch of hints and the players are like, yeah, fuck it, man. I don't care. And they go off to the caverns to explore the caverns and then... Mind flayers say that that piece just tends to disappear, right? Yeah. Either consciously or unconsciously. Like, all right, fuck it. They're not going to follow that plot line. Fine. And then you go to the caverns and you go on with the game. One could argue that the the, the they haven't been dealt with. Therefore, whatever their plot is, eventually circles back upon the player characters in some weird tangential way. Directly, mm-hmm. or one could say they're no longer a threat because some other ding dongs took care of them. And sure, the players may find out that some other players, some other non-player characters, or some other plot down the
1: road took care of them. I guess I'm, but, I'm talking about. I'm talking about. <clears throat> for me, when I say forget about it, it's that there need. In my opinion, if you want the world to be alive and to twist and evolve and so forth, there's consequences for doing that. I agree. And I know some people, like, well, they don't care about the Mind Flayers, so therefore they're just gone. And they ah, readjust yeah. the entire world so that, well, the players, instead of going to the Mind Flayers, it's kind of like the, um, what was it, the uh, the concept of almost like a railroad in a way, in that, you know, well, they don't want to go They don't cross the river here, so they don't fight the ogre, but I need them to fight the ogre, so the quantum ogre will just move. So it's like, instead of a quantum ogre, it's a quantum plot or a quantum endgame or whatever it is. And you just get rid of all that stuff and whittle it down. So that's always about only the things the players do have any impact on the world. The world doesn't. The world is waiting with bated breath to see what they do next, and then something happens. If the players choose to engage with that thing that has just happened, great. If they choose to ignore it, then you cut your loss and change the whole world again so the players get the thing that they're after it is the only thing that's really mattering. I'm probably totally not making my...
0: <laughs> no, I do see where you're coming from. I'm just trying to show a different angle where if they don't deal with it, and you're... Cause you're okay, because your world's... You are setting things in motion as the game master of your world. You're mm. setting things in motion. There it goes. Kick it off, right? Correct. It's it's Mordor, man. The ring it's frickin' sitting in a river somewhere, and some doorknob's gonna come across it, but the big bad evil dude's gonna want it because it's the one ru- that one ring that rules them all. Yes. And and whether the player characters are gonna deal with that shit or not, the bad guy is gonna get that frickin' ring if it's the last thing that he does. Okay. And right. And Great. So they deal with it or they don't. It's still going to move forward in some way, shape, or form. Now, my example would be Aragorn himself. Is, is, it's brought to his attention. He gets his own group together, a bunch of hobbits and a bunch of weirdos, and takes a fellowship and wants to take the ring into Mount Doom and cast it in there. Now, the only difference between what's written in the books and Brett's game is that the players can either be part of Aragorn's little fellowship or they could not. They may still go into different parts of the world that's affected by this weird thing that's going on and occurring. And hey, are you going to sit idly by as this thing happens, or they go into Casa Doom because that's where there's treasure. And that's all they're worried about. Maybe they run into that weird fellowship because it's still moving, right? Yep. In your mind, mm-hmm. as the GM. Or 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 not. Or Aragorn goes and somehow it's not the same story that Tolkien wrote. It's maybe mirrors that and somebody else casts the ring or whatever. So part of, I do get what you're saying. It's just how you, and it's also how you are going to inflict that upon the players. Because they could go, hey, fuck it, man. That's not our shit. I don't hey man, I don't even know these assholes. And they can <laughs> I don't down, even know these assholes, man. They could go a completely different direction. Yeah. So then it's up to the, the, the breadster on what how he wants to handle that. Do you want to like hey, well, you know, Brett, you're right. It's the quantum ogre. Are you gonna move the quantum plot in front of them and they're gonna smack into it regardless? Or or and how heavy handed are you gonna do that?
1: Basically, yeah. Because I want what I want is my preference is that the characters, the PCs, are making their mark on the world. And as they progress, if you have a level-based system, or even if it's just time-based, like, hey, you've been doing this, <coughs> or trouble-based, you've been causing enough trouble for the crime lord of SETI Alpha 5, and eventually he's had enough of you, and, you know, SETI Alpha 5, that's where Khan was from, isn't it? Sorry. Anyway. SETI Alpha 5 5.
0: This is the of Anyway, um you S Come
1: on, check off, And then your and then your bugs in your head. Right. Anyhow. Any spoilers. Spoilers. Uh anyway, if you piss off that crime boss, um Fuck, where the hell was I going? <laughs> like, I got totally sidetracked by a weird Star Trek <laughs> thing. Anyway, so if you get to a point where the crime boss, you know, where Job of the Hutt has had it had enough of your shit and the huts have got yeah. to fucking deal with you, right. then you are now a power that the world and the plot is paying attention to the' large, not the plot, but the world itself and all the other powers have to start dealing with you and you become a thing if you've bitten onto a plot hook that's taking you up to where you're going to overthrow Java and do some and do x I don't God fucking knows what, but if you if you're heading in that path as you go along. And you progress and you become a you become enough trouble or levels up or whatever, then the world begins to react to you more and more. You become a thing that can actually move and shake the world. I don't I don't enjoy building everything so that I carry I carry the players, I guess. Maybe this is me being old schooly in this way, is that the world is there, do something about it. Do something with it. I've given you products. I've given you stuff. You start marching towards it. I will integrate your backstory as necessary. But the world kind of, I guess, doesn't care, you know, whether your character is the one that puts the ring in Mount Doom or they give it to some little furry-footed bastard out of the Shire. You could be the one to do it, or I could give it to him or her or this other chick or this dude or this guy or this lady over here. I could do any of those things. Right. Your characters can interact with it however you want to. The world yep. just doesn't care. No. <laughs> and maybe, like I said, that's just, it's an approach that I, that I use. And I didn't know if what you, how you approached it, if that mattered at all, or if I'm just talking in circles. I uh, so am. <laughs> Which I get, probably so, am. So to get it
0: back to me, because the show is all about me. You're the Kelly. <laughs> man. Um. I, I think it it has to do with the the story I want to present. I, I do agree. I would probably I would probably handle it the way you would you would do, Brad. Okay. Like I would sit down and say, "Okay, where is this going to go? What does it do?" I mean, if it's pre published, it's already kind of put down, and you just present the material, and then they kind of do their thing and and they overcome the obstacles you put in front of them.
1: Yeah, but even a uh, the pre published, they could choose to sit in the bar and do nothing. And then you've yeah, got to decide does the pre published continue? It's a world. Right, does Barovia right. still go? Does Strahd still do his thing? Does the Demon Queen arise? What happens here?
0: Well, so that's so. the tricky thing about that whole proposition is that how much, as a game master, how many different lines are you, how many paths are you going to give them? Because I think most of the times players in a game master, they're going to kind of narrow, nail shit down a little bit. You're, you know, yeah. there's. Creepy shit going on in the woods, and they're 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 you know kidnapping your kids. Well, that seems like a pretty straightforward go this direction kind of way, and and I think that's a lot of what we present, right? If because I think that's the problem with sandboxes when you just say, hey, it's freaking sandbox, man, you do whatever the hell you want. So
1: there's creepy shit in the woods. You decide to go after. It. You find this dark fairy stealing children and then corrupting them, turning them into these horrible changeling fae. You decide, right? wow. We've stopped that problem. Yeah. Good for us. In okay. the process, you find, hey, there's this thing or this other thing that leads me to believe maybe it's something more. Maybe no, there's another can... reason. And that's the the next thing, right? The game master drops that hook out, and she's like, oh, God, I hope those two assholes bite this because this could be really cool. Or this one could be really cool, too. And Sean and Brett goes, nah, we got it. Let's go back and get a reward and buy an inn. I just wanted to buy an inn anyway. And the game master's like... Okay, well, she says those two things, I can either pretend they didn't happen, or those two plot hook ideas, they're just dead. They don't go anywhere. Because the players are all about building an inn, so I need to change everything, and the world revolves around Brett and Sean running the gaming NBS inn in wherever. Well, so hear me out on
0: this one. I think back in the day... My, my, the way we ran things mm-hmm. were were that latter one, where you go, you, you find out the children and the fae, blah, blah, blah. You go in and you foil that plot, and they don't find anything else. That's it. You're right. It's done. They go back to town. They have a bunch of gold. They level up. They buy a keep. Insert next adventure path. Correct. Next module. Mm-hmm. Neither one ties into the next one. Didn't have to. No. Nope. It would be, hey, we ran you through Keep on the Borderlands. You're done. Now you're third level. Now we're going to send you to... Isle of Dread. Isle of Dread. Uh, Sinister Secret Assault Marsh. Okay, you're going to level up again. Oh, next one, what do you want to go through? I'm going to throw you Pharaoh. going to th- go through Pharaoh. Five, eleven 11 levels, what, five through seven for Pharaoh, maybe? Something, Something. like that. I don't, I don't even know. Okay, it's Pharaoh, right? Those three adventures have nothing to do with the next. They're just all separate, but it's it goes back to that old school kind of gaming thing where it's kind of West Marches based a little bit where it's like, well, what do you want to go through? And they said, well, hey, I really want to go through Pharaoh and hey, I want to go through the Tomb of Horrors, but we're not high enough. But I want to do that once we hit, you know, 10th level. It's like, okay, great. So you are, you have a much richer, hey, my campaign is like, you know, step, you know, point A and then, you know, a a hint is dropped. That something continues from there, and then they go to point B, and maybe it even splinters to a point B and C. Yeah. But nonetheless, it, it's escalating and escalating and escalating where they're they're heading down
1: to Mordor, man. Yeah, and it can even when you take the DCC idea, and even if you're adventuring small, <clears throat> you solve the problem with the weird undead incursion, you know in Wamford or wherever the hell it is, and you solve that problem. Great. The city of Wamford, we've, we, we solved this for the town. It's great. Good. All right. And then you find out that the farmers next door seem to have this problem and it just kind of grows. And then somebody else is causing more problems. And you don't even have to leave that town. You know, the the level of the escalation doesn't have to be earth shaking. So sometimes the earth shaking is just like the crazy little shit that happens in your town. Um, I mean, if you watch the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer TV show, the whole fucking thing just took place in one little town. Season one. Um, at the end of it, crazy ass shit happens, you know, at the very end when she finally graduates from high school. But it's it's all in this little bitty town. Yeah. And you don't have to go and have it be that the gods have decided to let loose Orcus or, the you know, this horrible thing is happening and the mountain will, you know, the Sky Mountain will land and crush everybody or whatever the fuck it is you're coming up with. It doesn't have to be the rise of Tiamat crushing the planet. It doesn't have to be that big. But I want some opportunity for the, for the players to... And this is kind of how, you know, like I say, when I start, it feels very, excuse me, kind of sandboxy like the start. The start is, okay, who are you got? <clears throat> excuse me, okay, that's cool. Yeah, all right, you got this person, you got this person. All right, I'll have you guys... You guys are here for a reason. Why are you there? Why are you there? Good, we've gone back and forth. Why do you like this person? Good, we've done all that Session Zero stuff. We're there. Madness ensues. Insanity. Combat. Oh, my God. Action, action, action. Wow, that was weird. Boy, somebody was screaming this catchphrase and this other catchphrase over here, and we found this weird symbol in a box. Whoa, what the fuck does all this mean? And then they decide to investigate and dig deeper and look into things or do something. Even if they decide to do nothing, nothing is an action... And then the rest of the world, who's looking for a box and a symbol and some weird catchphrase people, starts snooping around. And lo and behold, your group was the last people to talk to them. So you get poked. You know, the plot poke comes along, stab, stab, stab. Hey, dude, 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 dude you in on this or not? And um, then if you don't and you choose to go a different direction or just argue with them and that forces and changes things, but the world keeps keeps moving. And after that point, once they've started to interact with components of it, the sandbox kind of falls away, and then it becomes the rest they're interacting with the world very specifically. People can try to flip it and say, Well, we're done with that. Fuck it. You know. We turn everything thing over to the guards, hope the magistrates are gracious, and then we leave. We we'll just go back to the inn. Fuck it, I don't want to do anything about that. Okay, <laughs> again, totally fine, if that's what you want. Then I'll sprinkle some other plot hooks out and uh, say, wow, they didn't bite on that, they didn't take it anywhere. The original thing I had, still going on in the background. Maybe it'll come back, maybe it won't. But then the players can try something else. you know. But I think once they've found the plastic dinosaur in the sandbox that they really like, they play with it for a while. If I'm really lucky, they're super happy with it. They keep playing with that brontosaurus, and they're really super happy with it. Great, we keep going. And uh, the world continues to evolve and work around it. But if they decide to throw it away, it doesn't leave the sandbox. It's still there and is a thing. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does.
0: This whole th- <laughs> it all makes sense. I think we're just re-explaining things. Probably. All right. Then I'll shut up. No, I don't. I mean, I don't. I think it's a good thing because I think there's clarity to be done around it. But, and I, I would probably. Try to do it in a similar fashion as you, as you, Brett. And I think players typically would do would as well. I think many of the players out there want to latch onto that thing and they'll go with it for the most part. You only get that other, well, you give every, every once in a while, you get that knob head that doesn't want to do that. And that goes back to adversarial playing and not kind of going along with the flow. And, you know, they can always kind of do their own thing. There's little offshoots or little mini quests you can incorporate into it, but I, I would do, I would want that overarching, mm-hmm. you know, thing going on. And
1: yeah, I think, I think to sum it up and then shut the hell up is my preference is that the PCs have to do stuff to make their mark on the world. Um, I, I build the world, the world should be interesting for them, it's built with them. However we do that, they can have backgrounds and all that good stuff. But I do not design the world and the, the campaign itself to meet all the needs and wants and all the background bits and bobs of every character. It's not waiting for – the world isn't waiting with bated breath for, for the players to do something. Right. You know, And I think that's, that's just my preference. And I'm positive somebody's going to say I'm describing this wrong and we're, stu- well, we're stupid, but we'll see what they and say. I think-
0: And I think, you know, that goes to character backgrounds, too. Like, if they write up too much of a fleshed-out background, but you're not going to incorporate it into that weird, big, huge meta plot or leverage it in some way or shape or form, that's why I think sometimes, you know, hey, thanks for writing that up. None of that shit's going (laughs) to (laughs) matter. You know, I mean, because I'm going to send you on this freaking roller coaster. That's
1: one of the coolest things that Learn from like you know the dungeon world the bonds concept. Like, look here's some yeah. here's some stuff right now. Even if you take the mechanic piece out of it, and just say, look here's a thing in your character sheet that that says background stuff. Tell me about why you're friends with this person. Tell me why you don't like this person. Then we have a thing that's in your background that actually plays to what's going on. So, all right, that's enough out of us.
0: Right. Tell us if you understand what we're talking about this evening and if you have any any input this
1: was kind of a throwback to our old school rambly or more rambly episodes well, so I don't think it's a
0: bad i don't think it's bad how we how we're talking about it i I know where you're going I understand it I'm being a little devil's advocate Not but f- i would prob i would be the same i would be on the same page as you this is one of those hey man we're just talking about I'm just bullshitting man Bullshit. <laughs> It's in the frickin' title, folks. Exactly. It's the name of the game. All right. All right, off we go. Die roll. All right, die roll. Brett is die rollless.
1: Yes, I am diceless this evening.
0: All right, so I will start D and D LCD gaming table how to. So if you want to build one, uh, here's a, a very step by step on how to do it. It's a four by four table, I think. So square one, somebody put together, it went through some of the steps. Um, there's a few out there. I think I posted another one. I can't, I don't, I don't think I've shared it, but there's another one where you can go to Ikea, you buy a pre-made table with a leaf, and then you pull out the leaf and you use kind of the hardware that's there. You drop the table into it and then you kind of build around using an existing table. This is not that one. Huh. I should try to find that other one. But this one's interesting.
1: You know, this is funny because I have been looking at Studio 66 and just poking around. I have this urge for some reason to build a gaming table, and I don't know why.
0: Well, so do I, but the problem is I never game at my house. I don't have the room and space for it, and they're not really portable. No, they're not.
1: That's why <laughs> That's, why, that's why I look at it and I go, man, that'd be really cool. And I look at my buddy Alpha, and he just put a... He's the one with the I've got you know the custom micro brews that his wife makes yeah. in the back, and he just installed a pool table in the basement, and he's got a custom made gaming top he built for it, so it sits on top of the pool table. So oh sure, so even so that way when I spill drinks, and if you've game with me long enough, you'll know I'm going to spill liquid. It's just a fact. Um, I won't wreck his pool table, but yeah, <laughs> he has this incredibly cool setup: overhead projectors, all sorts of shit. I, I feel foolish building one, but I kind of want to. I don't know why. Yeah.
0: It's cool to just think of having one, and then once I'd have one, I'd be like, "Yeah, it never gets used." Huh. You can't you can't transport that shit. Even if you frickin' put it in a nice case, you're gonna be conscious of dicking up the the screen, like you know, oh, spending yeah. three four hundred bucks on a TV. Uh, second one, Rapan Atuk, for Five E has been kickstarted by Frog God Games. If you're not familiar with that Mega Dungeon. I think that book's gonna clock in at about 500 x pages. Good lord! Uh, um, so if you're in the OSR kind of space, you've probably heard of this. But they're gonna redo it for 5e. It's already funded. I think it was like a minimum of 18k or 30k, and they're at like 60k or 80k, something crazy.
1: 85, six right now. Yeah. Yeah. They they look for 30 grand, and uh, they're well over twice that now. So and they got 25 days that, left. When's that expire, Brett? Uh, 25 it, days from today, March 4th. So you got like. What's, it says the date on it. Oh, does it? I didn't see this year. Should say
0: this if it is not fully oh, funded. Oh, uh, the
1: project is will only be funded if we should go by March thirtieth. There we go. Sorry.
0: So March thirtieth, twenty eighteen. Otherwise, I, I know most of Frog God stuff. If it kickstarts, you, you could probably get it after the fact because they put it on at cons and everything. Yep. So they usually print enough. So. Uh, and then I put a link to Lady Blackbird just as a reference for folks that aren't familiar with what we were referring to. Uh, it's a free RPG, so you can go and download the PDF and play it. Um, those that are fans, uh, they, I mean, there are some folks that just love, love, love that game. Uh, there was somebody that was really, I want to say famous, but I thought there was somebody that was really big on Lady Blackbird.
1: I cannot remember somebody. Yes, I vaguely remember this. I just don't remember. Who I don't it is. think
0: it's Will Wheaton, but it was somebody that's shoot.
1: Yeah, we'll figure it out.
0: Yeah, it might be somebody that from a podcast or the industry that just loves to to run it. Uh, one of the first ones from listeners, or Brett. Yeah,
1: we got Josh Wallace pointing us out to an article about how inmates play tabletop RPGs in prisons where dice are contraband. Link in the show notes we have seen a couple of these. I think this is the another that we had a different one about um, about D and; D and that type of thing in prisons, and uh, these guys yeah. these, I've had friends of mine who have been prison guards and they have uh, by the rules had to confiscate many handmade dice and uh, he said, you'd be surprised how many, how many uh, percentiles and D20s you get?"
0: and, I, and I, I have friends that have been uh, prisoners that have <laughs> played role-playing games in prison. And, so, yep, they told me a little bit about it. It's uh interesting. They they make dice out of the craziest stuff. So uh, the second one, Kevthulu Padlet for RPGs. So Padlet is a tool that you could use that's free. It's like a bulletin board, right? And just, like, write a note, just, like, tack it on there. I think uh, he provided an example of somebody using... It for a Call of Cthulhu game, so he listed the characters and then the things that kind of were plot points uh, throughout and, you know, ran little strings to each plot point. Yeah, this
1: is like the virtual version of the, you know, when you walk into the, the police precinct and the investigator, the lead guys got all the stuff tacked on the wall and strings and ropes between what's the what, so this is kind of cool.
0: Yeah, it's a pretty cool kind of tool if you want to map your. It's kind of like a mind map, but it's a little more. It's a group mind map, though, for the campaign itself. That's right. Well, well Or, I mean, that's one way you can use oh, it. Oh, yes. Fair point. Right. Fair point. I mean, a GM could use it to kind of map out their game if they wanted to, and then you could share it to the public, and it's kind of neat. So, thanks uh, for Josh and Cthulhu for sharing that stuff.
1: Uh, what are we talking about next week, Brett? Next week we're going to talk about uh, making the familiar things new again. So we've talked a little bit about this bits and pieces over time, and I want to kind of focus in on it. So that'll be fun. All right. Well, I was. when uh, are we going to do that? Are we going to do that Sunday night? I don't know. We'll figure out because Khan, uh, holy shit. So it might be Sunday yeah. night or Monday night. We'll have to sort that out. Yeah. Check right. the old schedules. That's right.
0: Okay. Well. This has been another episode of Gaming n b s Thanks for
1: tuning in. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all.
0: This episode of Gaming n b s brought to you with the help from the following BSers. Kevin Lovecraft, Joe Swick, Brett's biggest fan, Forrest Gary, Mark Anthony, Benedetti, Eric Jeppesen, Sean Nicholson, Tim Jensen, Pladian, Remy Bilodeau, Jason Hobbs, Hobbs, Wayne Humphrey, James Carpio, Pure Monroe, Laura Tentacle, Corey Johnson, Brandon Barnes, Dan LaValle, C.W. Melloncamp, The Lost Sailor, Tom McGowan, Misdirected Mark Productions, Christopher Gray, Finolf, Merkel Freulich, Eileen Barnes, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Todd Crapper, Michael Drescher, West Static, Alexander Auerbach, Neil Benson, Ron Blessing, Chris Deal, Eric Hoff Hoffman, Soldiers of Misfortune, RPG, Christopher Lang, Curtis Takashi, Mark Tasaka, Larry Hout, Ray Otis, Ron Bishop, Craig Huber, Xavier G, JV, John Hammersley, Derelict Radio, John Steve, Jared Rasher, Mark Richmond, Thomas Hook, Blake Ryan, Chad Glaman, Sky, Roger Brasslett, Evan Harrison cass Craig, Howard Bishop, Christian Sexy Voice, Serrano, Jim Fitzpatrick, Peter Scanus, the Knights of the Night crew, Josh Wallace, Corey Welch, Eli Kurtz, Gordon Cranford, Petteri Petteri Turtianian Oh, my God. Sorry, Petteri. And Edwin Nagy. For ways to support the show, you can go to gamingnbs.com forward slash support dash us.
1: Thanks, BSers.